Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 316, and we're talking about how to get around the UK. That's right. We are in Panama still. It's our last day here. In a couple of hours, we head to the airport and we fly out to Colombia. It's going to be great, but Panama's been a lot of fun too. Yeah, we've had a really good time. So how long have we actually been here? Five weeks? I think about five or six weeks, yeah. Yeah, so we we actually flew into Costa Rica and then we spent two days in San Jose before catching several buses to get to Santa Fe in Panama. You say several, it felt like several dozen. It was it was a long and involved process, but we got there in the end, and we spent three weeks house-sitting in the mountains in Panama. And from there, the homeowner, well, the homeowners had actually gone to Curacao, and on their way back, they were stopping in El Valle de San Anton, and the, the woman of the couple invited us to stay there with them. So we headed there in the truck, which was convenient for us because it meant we didn't have to mess around with five or six buses. Two buses. Okay, two buses, but you know. And it was convenient for her because it meant she had the car to get back in. Yeah, it was great. El Valle worked out really well for us. And after they left, we ended up spending another week there uh, in El Valle. It's this beautiful little town in the center of a volcanic cone. So everywhere you look around you, you have these kind of mini mountains, the outside of the volcanic cone, and all covered with forest and bush. So that was really nice. Yeah. We went for an excursion with the homeowner Janet and her two friends to see a waterfall, which was quite fun and uh, swam in the pool below the waterfall and had a really nice lunch. And another day we went to the thermal hot springs. Well, they weren't very hot. They were thermal, so it was kind of lukewarm. And I put the mud on my face, had a facial. It was was fun. Yeah, it was like sitting in a lukewarm bath, though, (laughs) (laughs) with about, I don't know, a 100 of your closest friends. And several children splashing around. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty crazy. Uh, we went down to the beach from there, down to Punta Chame, which is a great kiteboarding spot. Everything there was kiteboarding and kiteboarding and kiteboarding. We didn't do any kiteboarding, but we had a relaxing couple of days before coming into Panama City. As a person from a beach city, I really need time at the beach sometimes. So when I finally got to the beach after several, it felt like months, but it was probably only maybe two months since we'd last seen the sea, I just felt something reset inside me. So it was so nice to just go for a couple of long walks on the beach, look out at the water, watch the kite surfers. I really enjoyed it. In Panama City, we have seen the inside of a co-working space and the inside of a hotel room, and that's about it. It's been pedal to the metal, real uh, hardcore work time at the moment. Uh, We did manage to be in the big city for long enough to go and get a new microphone. So that's been very pleasing. We are recording on a new bit of kit. It's a Zoom H2N. For several years, we traveled around with a Zoom H2. We tried the, uh, the Mikey Blue. For a while, it fell apart pretty quickly. I think we're going to have to get in touch with the manufacturer because the quality we were getting from it deteriorated very quickly over the last couple of months. That's right. We hoped to record this podcast last week, but when we went to do it, we were just really unhappy with the level of audio quality. So we thought we'd hold off and try again this week. Yeah, so a little bit of uh, podcaster back talk there, but do drop us a line if you have any comments on the audio quality of this podcast. We're trying something new. We're sure there'll be a, a couple of little flicks here and there that aren't that great, but uh, hopefully it all works out. This week we're going to be talking about transport in the UK, but when you're in the UK, you're going to need some accommodation too. Our sponsor this week is holidaycottages.co.uk. One of the things we love about England is its charm, and there's nothing more charming than a typical English cottage. 
Holidaycottages.co.uk has over 2,000 properties, each one personally inspected by their team. And if you're traveling with a pet, over half of their properties welcome dogs. We've had a look around what they're doing, and we're super excited about working with them. So, the UK. I think it's a wonderful country. I've had, I've had my disagreements with England, mostly because a lot of the time we spent there, we didn't have any money. And I think you do need a bit of cash to be able to get around the UK and to be able to experience all that it's got to offer. But it's got so much history. There's beautiful landscapes. There's interesting places to visit. I mean, it's been populated for thousands and thousands of years. There were Romans, the Anglo-Saxons, the Vikings. I could list, well, I probably couldn't list, but if I had a Wikipedia article open, I could totally list lots of groups that have stayed in the UK. Yeah, welcome to the Indie Travel Podcast, (laughs) where we repeat Wikipedia articles for you. I mean, I think Linda's a bit super excited at the moment because we've just finished watching the Outlander series on TV. Oh, it's so good. I'm really enjoying it. I really enjoyed the books, and I've been trying to get Craig to read them for a while because he's quite into fantasy, but he hasn't been convinced. And then I I found out that there is an Outlander series, and uh, we've just finished watching it, and I think he's convinced. Yeah, it was really good, but I can't imagine getting around the UK by horse anymore. We're going to give you some more up-to-date options uh, in this episode, along with the best ways to do the research and ways to save money when making your bookings, as well as uh, some fun stuff that we enjoy. All right, well, let's start by talking about the fastest way to get around, or what is often the fastest way to get around, which is by air. Air travel can be a great choice for traveling from one end of the country to another and also for getting to some of the far-flung islands. The best way to get good prices is to book in advance. We usually use Skyscanner to find the best deals. Yes, Skyscanner has always been good for us. One thing to keep in mind is that getting to and from the airport will cost time and money as well. Uh, Especially in London, we're often shocked by the additional amount of time we need to add on to get to some of the airports. So toandfromtheairport.com is a great resource that is, I think, very well researched for the UK. In some countries, it falls apart a bit. But for the UK, it's great to get an idea of how long it will take you to get to the airport from wherever you are or vice versa and also a rough idea of how how much that's going to cost in london we often use the easy bus or terravision coaches so they're run by easyjet and ryanair respectively they're really good they offer fares from as low as two pounds if you book in advance and that can be really really good value Yeah, when you're making bookings much, much closer to the time of travel, the cost-to-time ratio begins to to fall out of favor in my eyes. And at times, it's much better to use the train Mm -hmm. to get out to the airport from London. It's one of the most expensive options, but also one of the fastest and most pleasant. If you're flying into Heathrow, which is the largest airport, you have the benefit of being able to use the Tube, which is London's metro system, and that's excellent. You can just buy a card or get an Oyster card, which is their tag-on, tag-off card. You can get a tourist card in advance that they will post to you, and that's really convenient. And so you can just hop on the Tube, and that will take you anywhere you want in central London. So flying into Heathrow is definitely a good option, but there are four or five other airports that you might be coming into, and they are quite far-flung. They are indeed. Well, we've mentioned the train, so let's talk about using the train to get around in general. I love travelling by train. And the UK's rail network is, is really extensive. You can get almost anywhere you need to. Although it used to be more extensive, many branch lines were pulled up in a flurry of enthusiasm for motorway building. Yay, motorways. It was unfortunate. 
they thought that everyone was going to be travelling by car, and people were travelling by car. <laughs> everyone is travelling by car. That's yeah. the problem. But now, yeah, everyone's travelling by car, and we want more trains. So, anyway, trains are still an excellent way to get around. Depending on your destination, you might find that it's faster to go by train than by air when you take into account the time spent travelling to the airport, waiting to board, collecting your baggage, all of that kind of thing. So even, for example, London to Edinburgh takes about the same amount of time by air as by train, and I'd prefer to go by train. Yeah, it does. By the time you factor in uh, yeah, getting to the airport, going through security, all of that, the five to six hours by train, London to Edinburgh, it's much more scenic and much more pleasant jumping on the train. But unfortunately, train travel in the UK can be expensive and sometimes crazy expensive. So when we were house-sitting uh, up in Aundel a few months ago, we were absolutely shocked to see the prices from a, a nearby town called Corby down to London by train. We had purchased some tickets in advance online, and we had our tickets for £8.50 for the trip. That was super reasonable. We were really yeah. happy with that. It was fine. When we were there, we were researching some other tickets uh, using the little kiosk that we were looking at uh, buying in advance. And for fun, we looked up what it would cost to buy the same ticket from Corby to London on the same train on the same day. If you're not from the UK, you're probably going to fall off your seat while everyone sitting in the tube right now is just going to be nodding along. That trip was £46.50 to buy and travel on the same day. So that's from £8.50 to £46.50 for the same trip. And that's not even a very long trip. It was only around an hour, an hour and a half. So that's an expensive ticket. Absolutely. So the thing to learn is that train travel is excellent, but always buy your tickets in advance. Uh, it depends on the route, actually, because some for short journeys, sometimes it's the same price if you buy in advance or on the day. So we tend to use the trainline.co.uk to find routes and prices and either book through them or through the train company itself if there's a price difference. And we can also see if it's the same price in advance or on the day. I quite like doing overnight trains, and I find it a good way to maximize travel time. You go to sleep in one city, you wake up in another. There are a few kind of A to B overnight trains in the UK, although there aren't very many. It is possible to travel from London to various destinations in Scotland overnight, which is cool. The nationalrail.co.uk website has more details on that, and we'll link to the right page in the show notes. Also, the Man in C61 has a lot of information about train travel in the UK, so that's a, a great website to check out. It is. Uh, that's seats 61 numbers 61com He is truly excellent. And in fact, he was, I think, our very first interviewee on the Indie Travel Podcast way back around episode number 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It does not exist anymore. I remember recording that episode in the, I think it was the laundry of a hostel somewhere in like, yeah, Serbia right. or somewhere. That's right. Yes, but I believe that it was a, a very badly recorded episode, and we have since removed it. <laughs> Unlike recording this episode, we were in the room of a hotel. I mean, going from hostel, uh, hostel laundries to hotel rooms. We've come up in the world. <laughs> That's amazing what? Nine years? years? Nine years? Wow. It's amazing what that can do to someone. <laughs> If you're looking for super-budget, long-distance transport in the UK, nothing beats coach travel. Travelling by coach is undoubtedly the way to go. Now, we've travelled from London to Aberdeen 
by coach more times than I want to remember, or at least London to Glasgow more times than I want to, to remember. But you know what? We once went, the two of us, from London to Aberdeen, traveling most of the length of the UK for a grand total of £3.50. No, no, it was £3. £3? £1 each and a 50p booking fee. Ah, per ticket, that's right. £3 to travel that whole distance. It's absolutely insane. And that story has a bit more to it. What happened was we were originally planning to go from London to Glasgow, and we had our ticket, it cost us £1, and then we realised actually we needed to get all the way up to Aberdeen. So we were looking into options from Glasgow to Aberdeen, and it was going to be quite expensive, kind of £20 for another bus, and we just didn't know what to do. So we got to the Megabus terminal at about 11 o'clock at night. The bus was leaving at midnight, one of those terrible overnight coaches, and we noticed that the bus that we were going to be getting on was going all the way to Aberdeen. So we thought, oh, maybe we can just pay extra and, and continue on. So we were looking around for someone to ask, and there was a foreman with a clipboard, and we went up to him and we said, look, we've got tickets to Glasgow on this bus, and we want to go to Aberdeen. Can we buy an extension ticket? He said, "Ah, just get on the bus. It'll be all right. So that was awesome. That was customer service at its best. (laughs) So uh, megabus.com will get you onto the cheapest of the cheap coach services. National Express, which is the more traditional coach network in the UK, also offers some quite good advance fares. You can get down as low as £5 uh, if you're one of the first people to purchase on certain lines. So check those out, Megabus and National Express. Now, obviously, the journey takes a lot longer by coach than it does by train. For example, London to Glasgow takes 8 to 10 hours compared to around 5 hours by train. But the prices, you just can't be the prices. Well, from memory, the last time we looked at doing that train ride for the dates that we wanted was going to be about £130. I think it was £130 for both of us. Yeah, but we're comparing that with £5 more or less for the coach for both of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a lot of beer. One time what we did was we weren't quite sure the date that we were going to be leaving Scotland, but we just booked some coach tickets just in case because we figured... For three pounds, it's better to have them and and throw them away than than not have any way of getting out of out of Scotland because it was going to be kind of fifty, sixty pounds per person. We ended up using those tickets, but we would have been just as happy not to. So I think that's something to consider as well. Now the UK has an excellent motorway network and thousands of miles of. You've written charming country lanes here, Linda. They are charming. charming. Craig, remember in Arundel, we'd walk along, we'd go to the other villages, and they were so nice with the hedgerows and all those plants and blackberries. Oh, lovely. Absolutely beautiful. You're right. And there's nothing like visiting these small towns in the countryside, going into the pub, having a a great meal, having a bit of a yarn. It's excellent. And so for that reason, car hire is definitely a great option. I think so. And sometimes it's your only option if you want to get from one difficult place to another difficult place. I remember when you were doing your uh, canal boating course, we were staying in Chertsey and you were doing the canal boating course somewhere on the other side of London. Yeah, at Amalo on the Thames. It was on that side of London, but mm-hmm. it was just there were no much connections. further up the Thames. Yeah. There was no way that you could get there by nine o'clock to start your, no, to start no, your no. course. So we decided to hire a car. And it was the first time we'd ever hired a car. This was six or seven years ago. And I was really concerned. And I ended up misreading the uh, the controls on the front of the car and traveling far too fast and living in fear of getting a, a speeding ticket. In the end, I didn't. It was fine. But oh my goodness, not my favorite experience. 
So you should be aware that in the UK, people drive on the left, which is correct and normal and good. But they also measure things in miles per hour, which is absolutely mad and crazy. But that's just something to be aware of uh, yeah. if you're hiring. Uh, manual transmission vehicles are often more common than automatics and car rentals, which is pretty unusual in many places around the world. Automatic vehicles are are more common at car rental places. But we've found every time we rent cars in the UK that we're always looking at manual transmission. Mm -hmm. We actually hired a car very recently, the last time we were in England, staying with my brother in London, and we hired a car to go down to Bath. There were four of us. It was Craig and me and Simon and his fiancée Katie. And so it worked out quite economically, really. You could also consider hiring a camper van or a caravan if you want to take your accommodation with you. We've used spaceships before, which are great. We've used them in uh, New Zealand. They also operate in the UK. And so you get what's basically a large car, but with a uh, bed, kitchen, DVD player, all the mod cons, plenty of storage space to take with you. So you can check them out at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash spaceships. Now, another way to get around is by ride-sharing. So if you want to go by car but don't want to drive yourself, ride-sharing is a really great choice. So drivers advertise spare seats in their car, and you can join them on their journey for a fee. We've done this. Where have we done this? We did this in Spain and also in Mexico, and we've considered in a couple of other countries. Yeah, it's like hitchhiking, but arranging your journey beforehand and also arranging a fee beforehand. So it's got a little bit more security in that your details are recorded somewhere with the person you're uh, you're going to go with. Mm-hmm. I'd make sure you take all the normal safety precautions you would when uh, going off with a stranger and doing something. Things like telling people where you're planning on traveling and the account name of the person you're traveling with. Maybe taking a photo of the license plate as you get in the car and uh, flicking that off by messenger if there's any problems or you think there might be any problems. There are many ride-sharing services to choose from in the UK. We've used BlaBlaCar in Spain and Mexico, but there are many, many, many in the UK to choose from, including LiftShare.com, which touts itself as the UK's largest car-sharing community, and dozens of others. So we recommend you look around, choose a service you like, and make sure to choose someone with references before you hop in the car. All of the major cities have their own public transport system, which may incorporate buses, light rail, underground rail, cable car, and even in some places, ferries. Some of these local buses also connect outlying towns, and they can be a good way to get from place to place if you're not in a rush or you're traveling in the countryside. Yeah, when we were in Arundel, I traveled from Arundel to Northampton by local bus. It was a two-hour journey. And it was really convenient because I needed to get down to near London. And if I wanted to do that purely by public transport, it would have been a bus, two trains, and another bus. But what I could do is catch the bus to Northampton and a friend picked me up on her way through. So that was really great. The timetables are almost always available online, but the prices often are not. I remember you having to go backwards and forwards with customer service just to figure out how much it would cost to go from A to B. Yeah, I probably could have just flagged down a bus and asked the driver (laughs) as he drove past one day when I wasn't catching the bus. But I wanted to know how much I was going to pay so I could have the correct change. But yeah, in the end, I had to email back and forth. It was a bit inconvenient. We were talking earlier at the start of the show about all of the different people that have lived in the UK, and probably one of the most famous waves of invasion was the Viking invasions that that came in and both raided and settled throughout the UK. 
the UK has always been an island nation. Water's ever present. You're either by the sea, on a lake, on a river, and then there's all of the man-made inland waterways, the canal system. I think there's still very much something of that of that islander uh, nomadic mm-hmm. kind of spirit to things. Yeah, so traveling by boat is quite an important way to get around the UK. You can catch a ferry. There are ferries to many of the islands, such as the Isle of Wight or the Isle of Man and lots of the Scottish islands as well. You could hire a sailboat for a coastal journey. You could hop on a Thames River boat. There are lots of options. Some of these services are reasonably priced, but other ones are quite insane. A few years ago when we were traveling on the Isle of Wight ferry, it was the most expensive journey across water anywhere in the world by distance. There's there's efficient and there's budget-friendly, and if you're on a tight budget, you should be looking closely at, uh, at these costs. I was surprised by the Isle of Wight ferry, because when we bought our tickets, it was cheaper to get a day return than a single. So we ended up buying day returns, and when we arrived at the other side, I offered my return ticket to someone for, I don't know, £5 or £10, and they were delighted because they got a half-price ticket, and so did we. So it was a little bit strange. One thing that I love doing is canal boating, and canal boating is enjoying an increase in popularity in the UK at the moment. Many of the canals that fell into disrepair throughout the 20th century have been redeveloped and are actively being redeveloped at the moment. It's slow but peaceful. It's not so much a way to get from A to B as an experience in itself with transport thrown in. Travelling up and down the locks is always Mm. fun. In the UK, you don't need any license or anything like that, so you can hire a boat, get some training, and go off on your way. I'd really love to do some canal boating in the UK. They call it narrow boating. We've done quite a lot. Well, we did two weeks in France, but we've never done it in the UK, except for your training, of course. So I really want to get into it. Yeah, you can visit waterways.org.uk, which has a whole lot of information about it and about the kind of community around that. One of the highlights is the Falkirk Wheel, which is a 24-meter circular boat lift that connects two canals uh, across Scotland and completes the link between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Really quite something to see. Yeah, it's really impressive. Well, one other option for getting around the UK is you could book yourself a tour, and that saves you the hassle of choosing the best way to get around. You get less flexibility in your itinerary, but you might get to meet some great people. Personally, I don't think we've ever done a tour in the UK. No. We've always gone independent, but it's definitely an option. Go from the least amount of effort to quite possibly the most amount of effort. Cycling is an excellent eco-friendly way to get around the UK, although you might find it hard going because there are a lot of hills in this island nation. Of course, as everywhere, you can't cycle on the motorways. You want to stick onto the back roads, which are fine. And cycle lanes are becoming more common, although uh, a lot of British cyclists would say not common enough and not fast enough. You can even take your bike on some trains. So if you want to go the end of your route and then come back, that's an option. And possibly my favorite, although the most work and least time efficient, is walking. Hiking around the UK is excellent. Yeah, it's probably not the most popular of choices for obvious reasons. (laughs) But it really is a great way to see the countryside. Also, walking holidays are an important part of the UK culture. You know, you often hear about people going off on hill walks and walking holidays, and I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. There's one pathway that runs from the very north of the country to the very south of the country, lands into John O'Groats. Land is in the south and John O'Groats is in the north, just so you get that round the right way. 
We'd love to do that when we have a few months free. If you're looking for a shorter walk, we love doing the West Highland Way in Scotland. You can do it in kind of three to seven days, and there's lots and lots of other options uh, for multi-day hiking in the UK. Yeah, when we did the West Highland Way, we took a tent and everything we needed to to do it really budget. But I think if we do it again, we'll stay in B&Bs along the way. To have a, a much lighter backpack, much easier walk, and just, you know, have the luxury option. Yeah, absolutely. A great place to stay would be in a holiday cottage. And luckily, our sponsor this week is holidaycottages.co.uk. Great segue there, Craig. That was really well done. Thank you. Thank you. As you know, we recently spent five weeks in Oundor, which is a small town right in the middle of England. We weren't too sure what to expect because we'd never heard of the place before we agreed to spend five weeks there. But we ended up loving it. And now we want to spend more time in small town England, which is a bit of a surprise because, as I mentioned earlier, I have a an interesting relationship with England. It's, I think it's growing closer every day. I think so. There's just something so charming and so nice about being out of the cities and in the countryside. It's, it, I feel like I'm, I'm being cliché just as I talk I about know. it, but it's so true for us right now. Yeah, but the history, the countryside, the beautiful buildings, the feeling that people have been living there on the same spot for thousands of years. The pubs, the local cideries, the fishing. I think we have slightly different priorities, but that's fine. We both like it. Well, for whatever reason, if you're planning a trip to small-town England, check out our sponsor for this episode, holidaycottages.co.uk. They've got over 2,000 properties across the UK, great customer services team to back that up, and they won the British Travel Award for Best Holiday Accommodation Provider for Customer Service. So they are on to it. Yeah. Well, what's next for us? Well, in a couple of hours, we're going to be packing up and out of Panama City. We're going to be heading to the airport and flying into a country which I think you thought we would never, ever get to. We've tried to get there so many times. We've had actual plans to go to Colombia three or four times, and they've always fallen through. So I'm a little bit nervous because we're flying out in four hours, and I just really hope nothing goes wrong because... (laughs) You know, I'm always a bit nervous when I go to the airport. I'm not a nervous flyer, but I'm a nervous airport experiencer. I I just, I don't like the feeling that someone has the power to say, no, actually, you've written your name wrong on your ticket, or no, you've you've got a bottle of water in your bag, so you can't get on the flight. So, I don't know. It's going to be fine, but... I'll be happier when I'm on the other side of security and even happier when I'm actually on the plane. Yeah, we're really looking forward to Medellin. We're going to meet a friend of ours who was an ex-student of mine from way back in the early 2000s when I was doing English teaching. And uh, Momo's become a good friend, so we'll be catching up with him. Mm-hmm. We'll be working really hard for Performance Foundry, which is my website development company. We've got two new staff. Well, we've got one new staff member starting. We've got partway through hiring another uh, developer. And we've got some big projects that are all coming on deadline in the next two weeks. It's exciting so times. It's going to be pretty intense. Great to see that company growing. But it does mean that in Medellin, we're going to be locked up and we're working for quite a while. I think so. After that, though, we've got some nice travel plans. Yeah, we're planning to travel around Colombia, taking in Cartagena, Bogota, and one or two other places, and then we hope to go to Ecuador as well before coming back to Bogota and flying back to Panama. So we're doing a few circles. 
Yeah, I'd love to hear uh, any recommendations around that route. So from Medellin up to Cartagena, back down to Bogota, looping down probably to Quito, and then back up again. If there's anything we should be on the lookout for around that loop, please let us know. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.